Hello and welcome to Very Vino. I'm your host as always, Very Vienna, and we are finally recording in fall of 2023. We have a special guest here today and I will let her introduce herself. Wow, I feel honored to be here. Thank you for coming. Inaugural event 2023. <laughs> um, my name is Ariella and I have been a long-standing friend of Vienna, um, enemy first and then later friend. So, and big time fan of Vienna. Yes, of course, of course. <laughs> and the podcast. And the podcast, sorry. Sorry, and the podcast. As an entrepreneur yourself, you would I appreciate I understand how marketing. you can't just do one thing. You mm-hmm. have to do it all. And so, Gotta do it all. needless to say, Vienna's here starting yet again another production. You were the first entrepreneur that I've probably ever met. Do you remember Ella Designs? I do. I that that wasn't even my first that. business. The dog walking was first. I had, yeah, dog walking. I had my own in-house spa, um, which was riddled with lawsuits waiting to happen. So I'm glad that closed. And your sister's a lawyer now, so probably would have. Yeah. So I've always loved to make businesses. Um, Pup and Pine was like a COVID business that was supporting dog rescue. Yes, this was a local... Uh, dog leash and uh, collar business mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that I've actually bumped into people who had bought them not knowing you yeah. and they're like yeah it's a cool Toronto brand I'm like I know the cool <laughs> Toronto person that's the best and I've seen that too where I've seen other people I'm like they're my customer and I actually know who they are without them it? knowing yeah because yeah, I'm like I know what your dog's name is <laughs> I know your address I will never disclose that information by the way but yes um, before we get going, I guess we should probably do the end of the podcast, but we'll do a shout out. Are you working on any new things that you can release at this time? Oh, well, collab education. What's is, that? Oh, well, um, this is my new venture where basically I am a teacher, but I decided to stop teaching and I'm making my own teaching collaboration platform. So that is what I'm doing full time. And maybe you'll hear about it in this podcast. Maybe you will not. Depends on the themes. Walking in the street of Toronto. We'll exactly. find out. Exactly. Um, we'll probably recall at the end, but do you have something they could follow you on for collab? So it is collab.ed. Or if you go to my website, website www.collab.education, that's it. Okay. You'll, you'll that it. sounds easy. But link will be in bios of for sure. this podcast. <laughs> in the notes. In the notes. Okay, and Ariella, how do I, Ariella, sorry, how do I know you? Well, this is it. You knew me as Ariella, and now I'm Ariella, <laughs> as I have tried to be... Rebranding. Rebranding myself <laughs> as an Italian, which is really difficult. Um, but what was your question? Um, how do we know each I other? Know you? Yeah. I think, were we on or a soccer team first? You were on a soccer team with me and Justin. We definitely knew each other around four or five years old, potentially earlier. Oh, yes. This is where the enemy part come in. We were in SK or JK, maybe JK. Yeah. And it was like PJ day. And I brought in my pillow and I was lying down on it and you yanked it from under my head. And I I held a grudge against you for a while. I mean, the fact that I'm bringing it up. I don't think the grudge is gone. (laughs) I think it's now a memory that... You just always have. But that's one of those things where I remember, like, I remember it happening, but I don't remember why I did it or, like, the effects of how that would have panned out into my life. But we're still... Recently, I stayed with you and you gave me a pillow. So maybe it's, Ah, like, a little doggy-ish where, like, now it's okay. I don't know why I was so mean at that time. Like, you were just trying to sleep. Maybe I just wasn't... You know what? Now that I'm a teacher, looking back, I was probably like, this fool should not be sleeping at school. And I'm going to take her pillow. That's fair. I probably deserved it. I don't know. So... Can I interest you in some wine? Of course. That's why we're here. Huh? Uh, we, You know the podcast. We've got a fan here. Okay. Vino. So we have, based on the theme of today's podcast, which will be largely about Spain... We have Campo Viejo, which is from Rioja, and it's a Tempranillo. This segment is called Decanter Banter. Oh! (laughs) So let's drink. (laughs) Decanter Banter. Decanter Banter. Decanter Banter. 
So I've heard that there's like some amazing wineries in that area. I don't. I think it's probably a couple hour drive from Bilbao. But like, if you've got a car or you okay, have this a one's way, Legroño. I um, I've there. heard that. No, no, no. Oh, okay. But I've heard it's nice there, so I would like to. Visit. So you gotta get, you gotta get there because apparently, like, this is the best wine region in all of Spain, debatably. Um, what do you think? I th- it's the most known. When I hear Rioja, like that's the basically only type I could okay, tell you if okay. I had to say a Spanish nice. name. So we'll do another podcast from there when we're there. Ooh, I would love that. Okay, so let's have a little cheers, a little sip, and then I'll read what it, the cheat sheet, what it says. Amazing. Just so the listeners know, uh, we had Ariella open this earlier, and she cut her finger, and we couldn't tell what was blood and what was wine. <laughs> so, so we might be drinking blood right now. We don't know. little irony. Okay, it's really good. What are you I, thinking? The thing is, I should have studied for this podcast because <laughs> me with wine, based on the fact that it's red, there's probably notes of like cherry because that usually You're happens. Right. It says the signature red cherry of Tempranillo wine. See, we do have an expert here. Our whole podcast is about not being experts, but okay. still giving opinions. We got so, that. So, bang on the cherry. What do you think? Bang on Oh, that. no, you're reading it. Okay, so wait. You know. So, let me tell you without cheating. Definitely cherry. I 100% agree. I don't know. To me, cherry, some sort of wood, maybe a cork element. It's very earthy. Okay, so I'll read it to you. This You got this one. Signature red cherry of Tempranillo wine. Rich aromas bursting with notes of red fruit balanced with hints of vanilla and spices. So, I definitely did not get the vanilla. vanilla. Spices, spices, okay. Maybe. The vanilla, definitely not. Enjoy with good food and friends. So we're drinking it right. <laughs> I think that was Decanter Ranter. Basically, the summary is... It's good. We're going to have more of this coming up real soon. Thumbs up for the wine. <laughs> Thumbs up for the wine. <laughs> and back to the episode. Speaking of Spain... Da, 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 da. We've got amazing news. <laughs> Vienna, hot, up, hot up the fresh. Vienna, tell them. <laughs> tell them what you want to tell them. I'm moving to Spain. Um, (laughs) so I will be joining Ariella on her Spanish venture. So both of us had a little Spanish adventure last year. Hers was definitely longer. Um, and I've been working very hard to get all the papers and everything up to snuff. And finally it's coming to fruition. Yes. And I move end of December. So stay tuned for that. We'll have very Vino, but like I guess Vino's already in we Spanish. We need vlogs so because you have to include Maybe. video content <laughs> with all the things that you're going to do, like right from the airport. You're basically referring to Vera Vienna. Like. Yes, exactly. I need a Vera Vienna. <laughs> and then you can try wines and like combine the two. Yeah. But this is very exciting news. And what are you going to be doing when you get there? Just I am flying to Madrid and I'm staying in Madrid for a month while I get settled into my new job. And then once I'm settled in my new job, it will be remote and I will move to uh, my favorite place in Spain, which is the Basque country. Um, so somewhere near Bilbao, I have to still figure that out. But I have a few friends there who are going to help me get settled in, etc. And I'll just be living the Vida Loca on the coast and surfing and and uh, what else am I going to be doing? Dancing and some Basque sailing. local dances, sailing, <laughs> um, not being cold. Mm. So... That's probably the best of the activities that you listed. (laughs) It definitely is. Um, You're leaving at the right time. If you leave end of December, get my like you get a little bit of winter, maybe a light snowfall, and then boom. And I'm just thinking, there's snow though up in the north. I'm not gonna be in the mountains. Madrid gets snow. Does it? I need to look into Madrid. I've only looked into Bilbao. Light amounts of snow. Maybe not in the city, though. Even for packing-wise, like, I've been sending... It's so embarrassing. I'm sending photos, like, to my friends being like, does this seem like something I could wear on a January day? And they're like, hmm. And, like, I feel like such an idiot. But even boots. I'm like, do I bring Were my Sorrells? the north of Spain during winter? No, no, no. Oh, it's cold. So we were there... We were in San Sebastian just before Christmas, end of November. Cold. Did you guys do Christmas in Spain? No, you came back. You no, came we back. were here. Or, sorry, we were there in Spain. So I didn't have like a full, I had a light puffer, not a full winter coat. So that's exactly what I'm hoping for is... No, it wasn't enough. Oh, I see what you're saying. So what I'm saying is a light puff, you don't need a heavier layer. Like in winter here, you need to have the heaviest layer. You need to have a puffer that can fit a sweater underneath and then like gloves. I think I'll still bring the full winter jacket, but then I could like 
wear tank tops under. Yeah. Like, I'm also thinking, like... You're going to adjust to being cold. But not even... Just fashion-wise. I... I'm quite fond of my fall outfits. They're all like leggings with some sort of cute dress. So you're perfect. And I can just extend that throughout the entire winter. Yeah. You're gonna, I think like, it'll be better than the Canadian winter, but you'll still be surprised like how quickly your body adjusts. Like right now I'm wearing in 10 degree Canadian weather, my full winter coat. It's the warmest layer I have. I've started wearing mine also. I'm not used to it. So like you'll adjust really quickly, but I think... I mean, weather, like, it will rain, there might be some snow, but, like, it's Spain. So, anything is an upgrade. Exactly. Because when I was there, like, it's not, like, sunshine every day in the winter. I'm like, I'm okay as long as my eyelashes don't freeze when I walk outside. Yeah. That would be nice. As yeah. long as I don't need to spend four hours shoveling the driveway. You're going to be we the... We I don't oh. shovel. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be that annoying Canadian who's like, oh my god, it's only a light <laughs> dusting. Like, you are going to be so happy all the time people are going to be complaining about the the cold <laughs> the slight drizzle and you're going to be like this is amazing i think i'll start complaining with them soon i i feel like i'll give jump it, on board give it a year we'll see okay so let's rewind how do you even know spain how did that happen so what ha- it was when did that start for you how did you get there no what did you Sp- do? well i mean had you ever been there before i had visited there in high school i went on an exchange mm-hmm. i was taking spanish language classes which have not done me did well. that help you <laughs> no I mean, yes and no. If I hadn't taken the classes, I would know even less. Okay. But still not a great level of Spanish. However, I love the Spanish high school class, the culture. We listened to music. We had food. Like, it really made me love the Spanish culture. You were in a homestay, right? Yeah. And then we went to a homestay. So someone came to Canada, and then I went to Spain. Oh, yeah. Lived there. Had a great time. And... You, I, just a little touch of what Spain is like. The food, the people, the culture, history, art. Loved it. Many years later go by. I knew I wanted to live somewhere in Europe. It's like a bucket list item. And I'm a teacher, so technically teachers are international. Right? So I was looking up different jobs, different places. And in the end, I got a job in a couple different places. But one was in Barcelona. And I had to pick Barcelona because the weather is the best. And... Good culture, good food, good people. Honestly, Barcelona was the, I think, top of my list when I was in high school. I was taking also Spanish class in high school, and I think I retained a little bit more, um, but... <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> but it was, like, the top of my list. I remember doing a whole project about Gaudi, and, and I was, like, so excited to one day, hopefully, go to Barcelona, and... Um, then I did when I lived in France for a while. Um, I did a few trips to Barcelona, and it was awesome. Every time I got to see new, cool new things. Um, did you picture yourself ever living in Spain at that time, or were you just definitely like, oh, not. cool country? No, I was just like, oh, it's great, so close, I could visit, whatever. Nice idiot, I am. I was never <laughs> like, oh, I could live there. I just needed to open the possibilities a little bit more. Obviously, um, I came back to Canada because there was no job opportunities for me in France at the time. Came back to Canada, then COVID hit, um, and then. Well, sure, I guess I'll say my story here. Um, And then during COVID, I booked a trip to go on this random, at the time, random boat in Spain called Attila. And my brother had sailed with him before, so I knew that he had a good time. So I was like, great, I'll go for two weeks and learn what sailing's about. Never have set foot on a boat in my life. Yeah, it was getting that piece (laughs) of information from you where you're like, I'm sailing now. I really thought, had I missed something in all my years of knowing you, like, where were you training to sail? Nowhere. Nowhere. <laughs> but, but you learned, isn't that part of it? You learned Absolutely. You don't need, you... you don't, this is a whole advertisement for Attila. Come join Attila. Well, that, I'm sure that'll be another podcast. <laughs> it it will has be. to be. <laughs> um, but I, you don't need any experience. They teach you how to do everything, but you're like part of the crew for the week. You're scrubbing awesome. the decks, you're yeah. pulling the sails, you're doing watches, etc. And it was the best, especially the pandemic was a rough time. I know for a lot of people, it was a rough time for me. And to like, just get out and have freedom and like fresh air and just see what life was for a moment. I was like, wow, this is awesome. Yeah. I came back and I said, that was amazing. Not necessarily Spain. I was more like, that was amazing sailing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I need to do more of that. So mm-hmm. on my flight home, I wrote my application to work for that boat the following summer, um, sent it in. They said, you need these like trainings. So I did, I went to Boston. I did my training there. I did, I got my certificates. I got my visa. And we're going to talk about this in a moment. Um, and then I the went. The fun stuff about <laughs> living in Spain. Visas. But I went back to Spain and I worked on this boat for a few months. And as I, I was more like in my head, 
Vienna, you love Spain. This is your time to like shop around, mm-hmm. see what city you like, mm-hmm. and then you can look about coming here in the future. So let's talk legality. Oh, wait, no, we didn't oh finish you. So you in Barcelona. Oh, well, Barcelona. So yeah, decide on Barcelona. Me, Adam, and our dog Dakota, we moved there. We, I mean, we can't complain about Spain. My job was nuts. The kids <laughs> were crazy. The I footballistas. The footballistas, the future footballistas that I was <laughs> teaching were out of control. So I was teaching in English, which was great. My English classes were in Spanish because that was just how it worked there at the school. So I learned a lot of like slang Spanish and funny words that I could never repeat in any other context, but I mean, the kids kept me hip, so that was fun. But they were- <laughs> You probably know bet yeah, like, in Spanish. <laughs> so like they were very, it was an interesting experience. And the school itself allowed me to meet like lots of interesting friends. I loved- Were you in Badalona? No. So I had friends that lived in Badalona and my school was past Badalona in Montgat, which is beautiful. Like okay. my, I just took a 30 minute train along the water every day. Okay. So really can't complain. Um, there was like good things and bad things about the job, but all in all, like living in Spain was all of my dreams come true. Did all the amazing things that I wanted to do there, but it wasn't enough to just live there for a year. So we're going back. Going back. Okay. Yeah. Let me ask some of the harder details that the, the fans are just begging oh, to yes, know. Oh, yes. I know. Um, so you had a local job as a teacher getting paid yes. a Spanish salary. Oof, and what yes. was your... I was going to say... What's my salary? Boyfriend. Oh. What was your fiancé? Fiancé. Now fiancé. Um, so Adam was working for a Canadian company in Spain. So that was key to our happiness and success because collectively we were able to make a little bit more income than we would if we were both on Spanish yeah. salary. My Spanish salary hit me really hard. Um, <laughs> I knew it when I signed the contract. And as you have signed your contract, like it just takes a minute to yeah. be like... Am I missing a zero? But then you start to kind of piece it together and realize like life in Spain is cheaper, but there are some trade-offs. And that's the hard part about when you decide to live in another place is just like there are trade-offs. Like there's going to be things that you will never, ever be able to get in Canada that are just so worth it to live in Spain and other things where you're like, ah, this job there is this, whatever. So it's that, tough. And and that's why I just want to like live there and see how the paycheck balances mm-hmm. at the end of the month because it's definitely different than what I'm experiencing here, but then I don't need to spend my money on going to Spain on trips all the time exactly. because I would live there. No. So I think like everyone will say, cause I've met a lot of people who are the international traveler like us who've gone and moved to another country. Some of, or some people who've stayed there for seven, eight, nine plus years or lived their entire life there from another country. So it's possible. You're not going to These be homeless. These are people in Spain, but who are expats from other okay. countries who, and then the people, the Spanish people themselves are like, what are you complaining about? This yeah, is, this I is think a fine it'll salary. work out. It's all going to work out. It's just that adjustment period and certain things in your life will change. But I think for me, what I realized is like living in a place that you love means that you're not spending money leaving that place, as you just said. Yeah. And you're just happy to be there. I guess we have built in higher costs because we're going to have probably a flight or two back to Canada yes, for family and friends. stupid family and friends. Cut well, that from the podcast. You're getting, you have weddings to attend like every yes. two days in Canada. Yes. Um, and also just like, I know the culture in Spain is that like they pass down houses and they really help mm-hmm. and they stay at home and stuff. True. And we don't really have that. So like, start out out of the gate. We're moving there with two suitcases. Yeah. Everything else we have to get from scratch. Yeah. So startup costs, maybe a little higher for us. Oh, it's high. We're coming, I guess, with some Canadian salary. So I guess maybe it evens itself out in the end. We'll see. I'm, I'm I think, honestly, yeah. I want to give it a full shot and see if what you, it looks like. Yeah, exactly. Like it depends what kind of like way you want to go about this. Because there's some people who I think who would have like opened up a spreadsheet day one, put in every single cost and then a buffer for things that they weren't expecting. And they would have had a better idea of how much all these things caught, like would cost. I think we had had a spread, like we created a spreadsheet at some point, then it kind of got out of control because we either didn't update it or like over update. It just became really difficult to kind of keep track of all the things that we had to do and all the costs associated. So I don't even think I can tell you the setup costs because it just sort of became like the cost of living at the time, but it's high. You have a dog also. The dog, yes. Um... Okay, so let's dive into that. What was the process of getting Dakota over there? 
if anyone's ever traveling to Europe and wants to talk about this, it's actually not as difficult as you would think. It's okay. very stressful, but not difficult. So if anyone's actually looking for information, let me know because the internet is horrible and there's just a bunch of random blogs. The government doesn't want to help you do this because it's really inconvenient and annoying. So it's not that difficult. You basically have to make sure your dog is up to date with their rabies vaccines. You need to get a couple documents signed, one from your vet, and then take it to the Canadian Food Inspection Agency, which is a disturbing name yeah, I for don't a like place that. to bring your pet. <laughs> I don't like that. Yeah. I also brought Dakota, our dog, there because I thought they were d- doing like a physical exam on her. And they were like, why is your dog here? <laughs> you just need to sign the paper. So... These are some things that I could tell you about if you have any questions. But basically, it's just paperwork. She's healthy. She's good. She has a microchip. She has rabies vaccine. All the documents are clear. Sign, sign, sign. Make sure everything is stamped properly. Everything is signed properly. You pay fees there. You pay fees at your vet. And then at the airport, you pay another fee. Your dog needs to be well crate trained. That's key because they're stressed. Like our dog is happy in a crate. We don't know what happened on the flight itself because she's too big to go on the flight. We had to put her under the flight. So I cried on that flight and I cried on the way back here. But when we saw her after the flight, she was just sitting in her crate, really happy to see us. And she didn't look traumatized. So I remember I was laughing. I was telling the story to my dad. I don't think he's traveling with his dog anytime soon, but I was telling the story to my dad. And I said that you got her all set up. You put a cute photo of her on the outside of yes. the container in case extra food. Someone yeah. saw her or she got lost. At least they would know she's not vicious and yeah. etc. Extra food, saying when she lost ate, when she lost peed, which I thought was a very good mom dog of you. Um, and that you had gotten a tracker. Yes. But did not put it in her cage. Yes. So and- <laughs> that was part of the tears um, when we were originally going to Spain, which is already super high stress because. We didn't even know if our visas were real at that point. Like, they literally looked fake in our passports, and that's all we had to enter the country. We knew we had a bunch of paperwork to fill out once arriving in Spain. Starting a new job there for me was stressful. Like, we, there were so many things up in the air. At the airport, we're like, we're going to do it right. We're going to get an Apple AirTag. I think I got them as a gift from my family. And we made a whole plan where the air tags were going and luggage. Because they lose suitcases all the time. And People this was at the height this. of losing suitcases. So what a great time to travel with your dog. So we made this plan to put the air, tra- or air tag on the crate. We rushed through the airport, literally running through security, running through to our gate. This is a three hour. You put a whole dog on the security scanner? Is that what happened? You have to walk them through a scanner okay. without everything to make sure they're not like smuggling okay. drugs. It's a whole thing. But... Um, basically we ran to the gate and luckily the flight was delayed because we would not have made the flight because of all of the delays that we experienced at the airport, which was crazy because we were there four hours in advance. Anywho, we arrive, I'm like sweating, stressed, we're waiting at the gate, pull up the phone, where's our dog? Oh my God, where's our dog? Oh my God, our dog is with us right now. That could make sense. Maybe she's right below us at the gate. Took a minute, took a minute, realized, <laughs> no, I have the air tag. And so that whole plan went bust. It was really sad. But actually, funny enough, on the way back in, I believe it was in Toronto, and I'm getting everything mixed up, but at one point when Dakota was getting off of a flight, I was looking, like I got off the flight and I looked into like the tunnel thing and I was like, I just want to see if I can see her getting off the flight it would be really cute to know she's okay <laughs> i see this crate getting taken off the flight put onto it the one of those tiny airport trucks and guess who it is dakota <laughs> miss dakota and she was just sitting there like peeking out and i was like thank god she's alive <laughs> and she was adorable i burst into tears naturally but <laughs> again it's not that difficult it would be scare the entire flight but these are things like if you're trying to move abroad like not only do you have to manage your your own suitcases you have to manage if you're traveling with pets or loved ones or meeting people there or leaving people behind like it's a lot of stress it's a lot of organization you have to be a fairly organized person i think to manage all of this um not for the faint of heart totally worth it that's the thing i think it weeds out people from doing it because it's just a lot of work like the stuff is available if you search you can find the information how to do it it's just how did i found my visa through you when you sent me all these blogs and like evenings of work it's digging a big shovel okay so what visas did we do to get there 
Well, originally you had done the youth mobility visa for your summer. Right? Yeah. So that's so how you I found out. I got my, I guess sabbatical, we'll call it. It was unpaid leave from work for five months that I got. And I was going to work on this boat in Spain for four months. But I wanted to get the 12-month visa just in case I decided to just stay in Spain and not come back. Um, and any state in Spain or I guess Europe over 90 days, you need to get some sort of visa or mm-hmm. alternative arrangement because Canada will allow you to be there for 90 days. Anything above that, you got to go. Mm-hmm. So um, we looked into the youth mobility visa, which is available for a lot of countries. Um, however, we are almost aging out of it because... 35! 35 for the Spain one, but I believe like some of the countries are 30. So basically, if you were hoping on traveling and getting some sort of visa and maybe through work isn't really an option for you, yeah. look into it. Soon. Soon now. <laughs> Assuming all, all of our my friends. viewers are 30. Yeah. This viewership is old, okay? We need to get... It's just my mom. She can't make the youth mobility. Sorry, mom. Um, but yeah, so youth mobility, again, it changes per country. So we really can only speak to the Spanish one. Yeah. Um, but the youth mobility for Spain, you could be up to 35. You can apply for it up to two times in your mm-hmm. lifetime. Mm-hmm. And there's five different reasons. I don't know if I remember all of them. One's like a student visa. One's like a just to be a tourist and kick it around for a year visa. One is you have an actual job to work at visa. One's you're volunteering. And I don't remember what the fifth one would have been. Internship, I think. Internship. So they're basically you have a real reason to be there or you're kicking it as a tourist. So the first time I got it, I just was like kicking it as a tourist because I did not know if I had a real job offer with this boat. I didn't know if I was going to stay longer and work. I didn't know really what I was doing. So I just got the unofficial one well no reason one at least um which i thought was going to be a huge problem so i stiff-armed my school into giving me a contract prematurely so that i could get the visa when in reality they don't really care they don't really care i think they're a lot tougher in the like the way they wrote how to do the visa online but i think in actuality they just kind of I think toss it out exactly. You, like, I think tried they, your hardest. Yeah, I think they know. Like, if you fill out the paperwork, we've got records on who you are. We don't think you're doing weird or illegal things there. Like, it's sort of a free pass to just go live because in Spain for a year. If, I think technically the rules state that you can only go for one of the five reasons, and then if you do it again, because you're allowed to mm-hmm. get the ability twice, it has to be a different reason. So I think yeah. you did it good because you yeah. did it. I have a job, and then. The next time you go, I'm assuming you're getting it for just the kicking around visa. Yeah, I've just had it for... You don't need any contract. Well, I said I plan to get temporary work yeah. there because maybe I would be working there. So, But so it doesn't I matter. I think you did it the best way because yeah. you did the work one, which is probably harder to get signed. And then yeah. now you can do the easy one. Yeah. Whereas I'm doing the opposite. Um, I got the easy one the first time, but this time I have a real contract so I can submit it with my application. And here comes the hard part is... Well, first of all, let's just... Give more details about Let's the Let's dive into Vienna's uh, heritage <laughs> and how... Pull out that family tree. How she's got a couple more options than a visa. Let's so, go. So in October of 2022, they finally released a law that I was waiting many years for. I've been keeping my eye on it because I already... I'm Canadian and my mom is British or half British. So I was able to get my British passport, I think in high school at some point, which... I didn't do it for any specific reason. And then when I moved to France, it was very handy because it used to be in the EU for all of my young viewers. Um, <laughs> that was before Brexit. And then Brexit came. And so I moved back to Canada. And uh, the, the British passport's not so useful to me anymore. Um, but I needed a way to get, to get back to Europe because it was really handy to have my British one when I was in France. But now I am Europe-less. And so I was looking into my other uh, side of the family, which is Spanish and Italian. And everyone talks about how easy the Italian one is. So literally, at least two or three years ago, I started like digging into it. I was trying to get my grandpa's citizenships. Like it takes time, but everyone qualifies basically. Like if you're if you're great grandfather made a pizza once oh, in, in 1902 because the spanish one has certain stipulations yeah and the italian one does but it's less yes uh strict i get what so you're like saying. you can do like great 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 grandfather mm-hmm. and it still counts maybe okay yes. don't take italian advice from us yeah. but i just have heard <laughs> still in the process for that the one, italian so. one is a lot more attainable um but i started looking for a paper almost three years ago now mm-hmm. from canada about my grandpa's citizenship and they keep like screw me around. So that one I kind of had to drop for now. And I started looking into Spanish. And at the time when I was looking into the Spanish one, 
there was a law called the grandchildren's law, Ley de Nietos, and it would qualify for me. And so I talked to a lawyer about it and she said, yeah, but it hasn't been passed yet. So it was just a theoretical law at that time. And I was like, okay, too bad. Then when I was actually sailing in Spain a little over a year ago, I saw the notice that the law passed. So last October, I guess a year ago today, last October, they passed this law called Ley de Nietos, a real law, but it's only around for two years. And it has such a specific case that I perfectly fall into that I'm like, thank you, Yaya, so much for doing this. You had to be a Spanish grandmother, so grandfather wouldn't have counted. You had to marry a foreigner. So thankfully, my Yaya married my my grandpa. Um, And... I think leave the country between 1956 and 1972 or something. And basically the Lady Nettos is for the the Franco rule. Exactly. So Lady Nettos is trying to recuperate your nationality that theoretically, if there was no Franco dictatorship, Mm -hmm. maybe my grandma would have stayed in Spain. Mm -hmm. And then I and all her descendants would have just been Spanish because we would have stayed there. But because... And we wouldn't have had this podcast or had to deal with any of this paperwork. <laughs> this podcast would have been in Espanol. And... Ah, si. Ah, si. Well, now we're going to switch to Spanish. <laughs> no, we are not. Um, and no, it's, necessary. it's basically reclaiming your nationality that hypothetically you would have kept if Franco wasn't such a bad guy mm. back in the day. So Back in the day. I qualify for it. And You're so lucky. I've just literally been working on that all of last year. It took me so long to get the paperwork. It's almost as long as that visa. So the youth mobility visa, was, it wasn't so many elements, but it just took time. You had to get fingerprinting from the RCMP. You had to get a doctor's note. You had to get um, an NIE, uh, which is like, like a NIE. foreigner's number. Yeah. That and You had to go to the consulate for that. You have to do like a lot of things. Um, and it just takes time. It also takes a lot of time just to read the documents and like get the right paperwork and etc. Mm-hmm. And so the citizenship is the same. Um, and again, it was so new. Like it, it, when I started to apply for it, it had just become a law. Yeah. So there wasn't many people who had done the example of doing it before that I could just copy what they did. Yeah. So I found this one guy, shout out to Adrian, who will never listen to this, but shout out to Adrian uh, in the States who had done it. So he gave me a lot of info from his lawyers and et cetera. Um, you should post this back on that Facebook group where I'm assuming you met because that's how all of these I love should. stories, let's call them, happen. I'm not trying to fall in love with Adrian, Ariel. No, but what I mean is all of the advice that I've gotten with regards to this move has come from strangers in America. <laughs> and it's all worked. And it's all worked. All of it has worked. You never know if it's going to work, but then it works. Yeah. So, like, I honestly feel like I owe people money for their services. I 100%. So, every time Adrian gets an update or I get an update, we, like, like send a photo. He's like, here's my passport. So he applied last October. never sent your personal October. information. It was, like, covered. It was okay, just, like, the okay. Spanish part of it. Okay, cool. But he was, like... Um, he applied like day one. He had his papers like ready to go for when it got passed. So he submitted his papers right away. Whereas like by the time I gathered my papers, I asked the consulate for an appointment last January and they said the earliest appointment's July. It took me six months or I guess that's seven. It took me seven months just to get the appointment. And that was after gathering my papers. That was after getting some poor intern in Spain to to look through (laughs) folders in the basement of some documents building to find my grandma's. Uh, birth certificate. Any of our viewers who are pushing 30. Listeners. I always say viewers. viewers listeners. listeners, you're right. Who are pushing 30 need to get on this because yeah. all of these processes, whether it's a visa or a citizenship, and then later, once you get your citizenship, you still need the passport document, and then you have to go and get like an actual uh, ID card when you land in Spain. All of these things take months and, and time. So it's not that it's difficult and you may perfectly qualify, and that's awesome which is your first green light or flag it's perfect but in order to actually like plan out your life you really have to be willing to be flexible on dates specifically because you do not know when these things are coming through they give you ranges sometimes it's earlier sometimes it's later in most cases it never happens at all so (laughs) so and that brings us to in july i had my nationality appointment um they said three months. For Adrian, it took him three months. So like when he sent me that photo, he's like, no one else in my life will get as excited as you because you know the struggle. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so happy for you. So I can't wait to send mine to Adrian one day. But um, in July, they it's told coming. me three months. I'm and waiting. three months has already can't come and gone. So yeah. I am at the point where I'm like, my job starts in January. Do I 
wait for my citizenship to come and just go on that? Or do I have to apply for my second youth mobility visa? So currently I got my RCMP ordered in the mail. And if I have to do the youth mobility route, that will be ready in about two weeks, I think. Um, but I'd like to not do that and just go with the full nationality, yeah. ideally. This is like, and I mean, there's always a will. If you have a will, there's a way. Is I have what lots I of mean. will. And you have so much will. So <laughs> it, it will happen. Um, and obviously in your case, if you had multiple options, which is fantastic, but I think this is just like a lesson for anybody who, I think unless you're going on like a backpacking trip or you're just like traveling for 90 days, which sounds really fun and cool. If you're actually moving somewhere, it's really a lot more, it's not spontaneous. You want it to be, but it's not. I've been a year planning for this. So you just have to wait around a lot. And if your job offers you visas, which is fantastic and that can be a much easier more straightforward route but for me working at school they don't sponsor visas but in other parts of the world in other places in europe they would have so that's another consideration like if you're thinking of locations sometimes the best places to live i would say spain is one of the best places to live in the world not sponsored not sponsored they actually make it the most difficult to live there and their their living costs every group in facebook that i'm on for this everyone's Brexit and is crying because obviously a lot of British people used to go there all the time and all of them are like, wait, how can I make it happen? Because Brexit really screwed a lot of people over. However, before Brexit, like I just got my citizenship for England in high school without planning. Oh, I'm trying to move there. I've heard so so many people doing It was nice just to like have it in my back pocket, like pre-planned. And then by the time I wanted to execute something, it was easy to do. This is a gift that I'm trying to give my kids, which I'm sure you will also be doing or just like anybody who can mooch off you whether that's a partner or children or maybe even a dog you know they might be able to get access to a whole other country like now if and i'm also trying to get my italian italian citizenship if only i will not say his name will reach back out to me and answer my phone call so i can drop my final papers (laughs) i've got everything together i also qualify for like the exact qualifications for the italian has anyone in your family done it this is a great question, and this is another thing that I need to bring up in family therapy, which is that <laughs> my father is first-generation Canadian, which is a very common thing where when you when your parents come from another country, they're told that they have to renounce their old citizenship. That's where I'm stuck for my grandpa. I exactly. don't know when he renounced. So luckily, through my Nona, she renounced her citizenship after my after father was born. was born. That's my question. So it's all perfect. So I don't know where my dad falls on that. And that's when I'm still waiting three years to find out. And that's really hard to find because I just happen to have this one really like messed up piece of paper that proves it. It's half luck. I swear. Exactly. So because of that, it all works. But I, I'm still waiting for this process to go through. So one day I will have my Italian citizenship, which will mean that I'm an EU citizen, which will mean I can live anywhere in the EU. And that is an amazing opportunity for myself, even if I'm just going on a trip. That can be amazing for my family. That can, like, it opens so many windows. So for any windows, who's going through a window to get somewhere? A door. <laughs> I, I would crawl. I would, I would say a door a is better than a window. But Porthole. if you have any, like, free time right now and you're listening to this podcast, which I know all of you are, and you're like, what can I do with my spare time? Don't start a hobby. Don't start running. <laughs> Call Don't... that German grandma and yeah. ask her where she was born. Get, your, get that paper. Get the papers because that's an easy thing to do slow bit by bit when it's not stressful. When, when you don't you're actually not waiting need it. For it yeah. Exactly. So advice. 100% I agree. Um, I had the same issue with the Italy. But also I, I luckily have um, cousins from his hometown because you need that birth certificate printed for yeah. some reason birth certificates need to be within the last three months like they need to be reprinted which for me it's like birth certificate it's is from when they were born 80 years ago like you don't Give need me the to copy. get anyone yeah and who else is going to go to the birth certificate place in in Udine, in Friuli and get it for me no one but I do have a cousin there she's like yeah I can get it for you and I was thinking about doing it and then luckily I didn't because it's been three years that would have been expired um, but it's a lot of little work like that. There's also translating into Italian with certified translators, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. I want that job. And not so, that I can do it, but I would love that job. And so it is definitely costly in that regard a little bit. Spain was not too bad for me because my grandma married my grandpa in Spain. So that was already in Spanish. Her birth certificate was already in Spanish. 
Um, I had to translate my birth certificate, my dad's birth certificate. Um, I think that was about it. So it wasn't too costly in that regard, but because I had already translated my father's birth certificate, um, we submitted my sister's birth certificate in there too. Um, because I was already doing all the work. They're like, well, if she's doing all the work and the yeah. law is only around for two years, might as well all three of us apply. So my yeah. sister and my dad applied with us. So I made their appointment. If Italian was my only option, I would be quite desperate right now because it takes almost three years. I heard five from the the consulate. They said five years. It's three years for me just on the Canadian part and haven't even gotten to like submitting it to Italy part yet. So it could take 20 years at this point. Who knows? Spain should be happening quick. We will see. I don't have it in my hands yet. Hopefully it'll be here soon. Post-production update is that I did in fact get my citizenship just recently in the mail and it did arrive before my family's. My family, Skippy and Kind of Cat are getting their passports at the same time as me and my sister's life goal right now is that hers arrives before mine she wants to open that mailbox and send me the photo of her oh with her my passport. gosh i guess hilarious it's not, it's not a passport it's a uh birth certificate so it's on spanish birth certificate paper the city will not say a spanish place it'll say canada but it's a spanish birth certificate and that is what i would use to get the spanish passport and so that strange. process is pretty easy after apparently okay. Um, but we're getting birth certificates actually out of this. Interesting. And what I only found out in a TikTok that I saw recently was that my name will be my last name plus my mom's maiden name. Yeah. So I'm getting a whole new persona. They're like, nah, one name isn't enough for you. It's two. Like, and I understand that when you're born in Spain and you choose to have you two last choose. names. But my, I'm going to have two personas. I'm going to have two different legal names. My mother's family's going to be so stoked. They'll be like, oh, she's finally one of us. Yeah. So anyway, this nice. is a long story is you can do the youth mobility visa. You can do get your citizenship, but do it like five years prior to you wanting to move. Um, some other options are like the non-lucrative visa, but you mm-hmm. can't really work on that. Um, and I say can't really because it's it Spain. happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, Trust me, I know. <laughs> <laughs> now they have the digital nomad visa. So if you have mm. a job from not a Spanish company and you've been there for th- more than three months um, and it meets a certain financial requirement, then you can apply for that as well. You can also do student visas. And literally what all of the influencers that I'm following in Spain or expat influencers in Spain that I'm following, all of them are parejo de hecha. Yeah. So all so... of them went on like the auxiliar program. So they went as like a one-year teacher. Yeah. And then they found some, whichever closest Spanish boy they could find. Yeah. And then got the ring on that finger and got their citizenship or citizenship are they long, visa that way. Are they planning to stay together or this is just it for looks the visa? Like most of them are, but even some of the podcasts I was listening to, they like started with parejo de hecha. And now they're in And love. now they're not with that person anymore. Oh. I thought it was going to be an amazing no, no. story. Now they're not with those people anymore, but I got their foot in the door. Yeah. So I've heard, I know like some people who've done that. Basically, if you don't go back and like update your records and say, no, we're actually broken up now, you can just ride that for, I think it's like five or 10 years or something. Yeah. So it's actually. If anyone wants a way. to common law me when I'm in Spain, give me a good offer and we'll yeah. see. Lots of citizenship options. So we've got find a hot Spanish man. Do Not- paperwork. <laughs> There's an easy win here. Hot Spanish person or do paperwork. Those are your options. <laughs> um, Read between the lines. I tried for option one. It did not pan through. So I have to do my <laughs> own paperwork, get my own job. So easy. So, I mean, there's ways. There's ways. It's all you got to know. Okay. So you did all your paperwork. You got to Spain. You moved to Barcelona. Mm-hmm. I love Barcelona because that's where my grandma's from. Um, or my yaya. And... How was Spain? How was the language barrier? How was uh, the lifestyle, the time they eat food? How what, what was the culture shock for you? Um, I would say it wasn't a shock. Well, let's rewind. It was a shock, but in a predictable way, if that makes sense. Like, I knew that there was going to be a lot of things that were super different and were going to take adjusting, but I was aware that there were things to be aware of. So, for example, yeah, like late night food, that's super true. Things just close in the middle of the day for siesta. And some people are legitimately sleeping. But <laughs> Everyone complains when I say siesta. They're like, we don't do that. Even when I was looking to book my place in Madrid, I was like, it should be close enough to my work so I could go home for siesta. And, and she's like, like, what? We don't do that. Most modern people, like our age, modern people, that's probably the wrong word. But like most people our age, they're working, they have regular life. They don't have a siesta or they don't call it a siesta because <laughs> that's like 
I've been treating this for my whole life. Yeah, but like in a job context to be like, oh, I'm taking a siesta. That sounds bad. But they are taking two (laughs) hour lunches. They're just not calling it a siesta. Cut to you're in Toronto working. You take a 10 minute lunch and you're back to work. So there are really big differences there. And like food, it is one of those things where even at school, like I, in my old job in Toronto, I would eat really quick and have to go do a bunch of things around the school. Maybe I'd be on duty watching kids at recess, or I'd have to like do stuff for my own job because I wasn't ready or prepared there. If you're running around the school doing things, people are really concerned about you during lunchtime. You are sitting for one full hour. It's about the sober mesa. Yeah. You are sitting one full hour. You are, if you <laughs> I don't aren't know there, how to do that. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it, it was weird and took a lot of adjustment. I was like twiddling my fingers after 10 minutes. I was like, I've finished my food. What am I doing? But then you get used to just like eating slower, drinking slower. Like people, when they go out, you're not like slamming. I mean, there's always a time and a place, but you're not usually slamming shots. You're like sipping drinks for a long period of time. You're staying at a restaurant for five hours. And this is a reason, maybe five hours not, but this is a reason why I want to move to Spain. I am constantly moving so many pieces at the same time i would love to take a mental break in my lifestyle yeah. not a vacation i just want to live slower yeah. live less and you can I do probably too much. you could probably find ways to do that in toronto like i've tried to bring that back with me while i'm here and figure out like is this like a state of mind like can this be recreated and in some cases you can change your lifestyle to match more of like a european or like a spanish lifestyle but there are certain things that are just embedded into like the schedule, the expectation, the social structure that makes all these things possible. Like that the was... language was another shock for me because again, I had like a high school background in Spanish. I hit Duolingo hard, but I didn't have a long, I didn't have a long runway before I knew that I was actually going to Spain when I had my job and I accepted it. It was like a couple months. So I wasn't really prepared for the language, That being said, Barcelona is a super international city. Everybody's really friendly. And I mean, if you can speak Catalan, you're like number one in the books. If you can speak Spanish, you're number two in the books. And if you can speak Spanish (laughs) badly, you're number three in the books. And then English is like, okay, we'll do it if we have to. And, but it's not like even traveling to Quebec here in Canada. Like if you're trying with your best French, they just don't accept it. It's sad. Yeah. While as in Spain, with my worst Spanish, they smile, they might even correct me or help me, 100%. and they get me through the conversation. It's so nice to have that kind of, like, I think that's another thing. It's like, that's what makes you feel like you're at home in a place, even if you're international, is like those people that you meet along the way. And like the Spanish people themselves just happen to be, as a general rule, stereotype, I would say pretty friendly, pretty laid back and pretty open to tourists. So, and travelers and expats. So So I would say that is my big difference between France and Spain. I've lived in France for two years. Spain, I dabbled. Had a compl- yeah, I dabbled because I was on a boat. It you wasn't, it were, wasn't like offshore. an You were in international waters. Yeah. Like it wasn't the classic experience in Spain. So I can't comment as well as you can, obviously. Um, but for me, I think the biggest culture shock in France was the exact same thing. It was the, not everything is available for your convenience at 24 seven. Yeah. Things are shut down in the middle of the day. And normally I'm imagining me sitting for an hour at lunch. What do I do? I would be on my phone getting 10 tasks done. I would have paid off this bill and organized this and emailed this person and booked that. I would have done so many productive things during that time on my phone that you couldn't really do in, in France. In France, yeah. you want to change the money on your bank, you have to physically go in. And you have to go in between the hours of 9 and 11 or 3 and 5. Yeah. Like, you have to take off work to basically and go to the bank. wait in line with the rest of them. Yeah, so it was just less convenience at 24-7, which was frustrating, I would say, for the start. And then I got into it, and I was like, you know what? I don't want that banker to be there 24-7. I want them to be home with their um. kids. no but like i think there's certain like that's another thing though about spain like if we're really getting into the dark side of spain some things are quite backwards like 100 percent. they're known for their red taping the backwards may not even be the correct word but certain things are just yeah like the bank situation okay it's a very old system very but then again 
transferring money. There's something called BISM where <laughs> you can literally just get somebody's number and send them money from any I bank, anytime. I had to get you to pay my True. translator for one of my visa papers so money, on BISM. Like, that BISM is probably one of the best money transferring systems it's like in Venmo the in world, but better than Venmo. It is amazing and I am not sponsored, but I wish it were. So that's an example of like Canadian e-transfer, old fashioned. BISM, the future. <laughs> She's choking on her amazing Campo Viejo Rioja. <laughs> <laughs> Sponsored by Campo Viejo. <laughs> Viejo. Viejo. Perdón. So basically, those types of things are kind of old. Like the school I worked in, the things that happened in the school were super old fashioned. Like my parents told me stories and grandparents told me <laughs> stories of things that were happening in this school in a 2022-2023 school year. So there's certain things that make it difficult, like racism, for example. We here in Canada, we're like fighting fights that haven't even happened yet in Spain about race, for example. Like they're just like, oh, I'm really interested to know. And like, there's a lot of people who care and it doesn't mean that they aren't willing to learn, but there's a lot of people who are just coming to these understandings or coming to these conversations that we've had for like literally 20 years. We're tired of it. We're like, we're over that. We know that these things exist. We're now trying to fight like other types of balance, like battles and problems so those are like the underlying problems i'd say with spain is that you've got a really old beautiful place that's doing things set in their ways in some cases mixed with a lot of like modern fresh things that are going on which is awesome but you do get those hints of little moments where you're like i really wish this were different or I really wish this were more like Canada. And then when you're in Canada, you have those moments where you wish it were like Spain. And I think that's one of the things is when you live in two different places or many different places in your life that are very distinct, different cultures, different countries, you take the things like with you, little things that you like, little things that you don't like, and that's just life. Years ago, I was like, I'm gonna live in France my whole life, it's amazing. And now I'm like, Spain's my place. Mm -hmm. It's not a question mark, it's like a, this feels so much more like home. Yeah. And it's because comparing Spain to France is in France, I would never be French, no matter how good my accent got, no matter how yeah. flawless my vocabulary got. I would always be a foreigner. Yeah. And like for them, they in France have a way better level of English. Yeah. Mostly, almost every person can speak pretty well in English, better than I can in English at this yeah. point. Yeah. Um, in Spain, I think the English level is lower. I don't think every Spanish person speaks yeah. it, etc. But if you speak broken Spanish in Spain, they're like so excited yeah. that you're trying. You speak broken Spanish in France, they're like, excuse me, you don't yeah. speak perfectly our language, I'm not gonna speak to you. I would agree. The one thing that I will say about that, and I have only lived in Spain for just under a year, so I cannot comment. I, again, don't have the best Spanish skills. I was working in English school with lots of international people. I still think you have to be one of those people who puts in a lot of effort to break the barrier between being a foreigner and living there. I mean, I didn't know how long I was gonna live there, so I was happy to just have the foreigner label while I was there, because that was good enough for me. But I think if I was committing to living longer term, like I'm going back for another year, you are in an indefinite amount of period living in Spain. I think if you love it there and are committing to living there longer term, more than a few years, 10 years, 20 years, whatever it is, like that takes a certain level of commitment and a certain open-mindedness on your end. And I think the people there in Spain will obviously support you and be super happy. So, and but I, you have to like. I go think for that it. goes with regions too, because I think in my outsider's opinion of Barcelona, it is very English speaking. When you walk in the streets, you hear a lot of English. Yeah, super. And I think they're used to tourists, and they have big expat communities there. Where I'm hoping to be in Bilbao, yeah, in the north, isn't really the tourist hub. Yeah. Um, and I'm hoping to just like jump in and be immersed and like just be get a spanish yeah. life i'm not trying to yeah. like making english friends etc yeah that's the plan we'll see yeah. how it executes but that's the plan well, i think if you have the level of language to match like to have a personality and to do things exactly. that you want to do in spanish it'll happen that was my problem where i obviously would have loved to have even better language skills and i hope to continue to grow my language skills because I can't crack a joke. I can barely... I'm speaking present tense <laughs> I know. at best. I used to speak present tense Spanish and just like 
hand gesture, an arrow to the past to pretend wow, it was past. Wow, I should start doing that <laughs> because nobody knows. They know what I'm talking about, but they're like, oh, mm? like it like, takes. I go to the store. <laughs> I did. Did I didn't tell you about my interview in Spanish? No, I didn't. I don't think so. This would have been top news for so, your school. No, so basically, I was in considering staying for another year. Like this is. Previous. At the same school? No. So oh. I was like, okay. Hey, oh, you think, did tell me, but. Yeah. So I was basically. Tell the viewers. Okay. Tell the viewers. I was basically like, I think I want to leave teaching and do something in like the ed tech world. Like I'm, I love teaching in the classroom, but like I'm looking for a different type of challenge right now. Like I, I'm ready. Like the classroom grind is getting to me. I've got so many cool ideas, like in a business way that I could apply, whatever. I started searching around. It's pretty hard to find within Barcelona, a job where you can work in English most of the time they will have you working in English, but you need to have Spanish language skills. And I knew that and it was in the job descriptions that I was looking at, but they would say like your working language is English. So apply, blah, blah, blah. This job specifically was like, we need an English speaker, native English speaker, because we're trying to work into English markets and that's your whole job. So I was like, oh my God, I'm such an asset. What can I do better than anything else? Speak English. So I applied to this job, um, started with an online interview, met the CEO, it was really good, I really liked the company. And halfway through the interview, he was like, I'm sorry, I'm gonna have to do this, but I need you to speak Spanish right now. I almost like end call. Like I I have, I'm just trying to order coffee and like some bread. Cerveza. Yeah, like just the necessities of life here. And at this point I was like, okay, I don't know. Like this is, I've never in a professional way had to speak a different language. I've never even done an interview in French before. Like it was, my stomach was turning. So he was like, I know you told me that your Spanish isn't great, but just go for it. Like, tell me what you did on the weekend. The weekend was in the past. <laughs> oh, yeah. So first problem. Oh. So basically, I just started talking present tense about what I was doing on the weekend, <laughs> which was happening right now. And he knew, like, instantly he knew. He was like, okay, I know. And I had warned him, like, before I even started speaking Spanish, I had built up how bad my Spanish was, how little I had known, how I was speaking in English at my job every day, and how, whatever. So I'd set the stage. And still he sat there, he was smiling, he asked me follow-up questions in Spanish, and he was so nice and made me feel like dignified in this horrifying interview. And in the end he was like, okay, like again, you may never have to speak Spanish in this job, but because we're a Spanish company, we do require this and we love you though and we'd love to have another interview. So I was like, great, I crushed it. He's never gonna remember this again. I go now in person to their offices, which are like super cool, like techie offices, like open concept, cool, flow, whatever. Like I've never been in a workplace like this. I've only seen it in like Google. So I'm really excited, get to this interview. Now I'm interviewed by two very important people. Again, halfway through the interview. We're gonna need to do this in Spanish now, so please. And I was like, damn it! Why didn't I learn from the first time? I didn't practice or prepare anything. And again, they asked me like, tell us about how you arrived here in Barcelona. Tell us about why you chose to live here, what you've been doing. All of these are tenses that I can't explain. So I'm going through, going through, trying to explain everything that I can. They're smiling still, <laughs> asking me questions still. Super nice, super stereotypical as we're describing, very open. But it was like, it was horrifying. My face was like beet red. At the end of it, they were just like, again, this is not a deal breaker. You are great <laughs> candidate. We will get back to you. In the end, I didn't get the job. They told me not because of language. They said that they weren't actually going to hire for that role for like another year. That's what they told me. So I felt okay about it. But that's another thing. Again, if there's international people out there who are looking to live abroad, the more language that you know, the it's more obvious. at home you're... It's it, like... It is, but not... In, trust me, the amount of international people I met who have been living in Spain for many years and still find it difficult to speak. Either they find it so difficult or they're so embarrassed or maybe they even have really good language skills, but they just are like, well, a lot of my friends don't are English or whatever. It's actually really hard to be a super dedicated um, expat in another country and speak the language 
fluently and have local friends like it's it takes a lot of effort I think you are that person I think I've been training definitely you've been training for for this this. you've put in a lot of effort but I think most people who you will talk to who are expats English friends it feels like home it's comfortable that's the that's the common thing and I know again Barcelona is a bit more of like that type of city than Bilbao and other smaller cities for sure but I think you are exactly the perfect candidate to take on this type of challenge. That's what you're I'm ready. I think I've I've been tr- getting myself ready. I've got the paperwork ready. I've got the driver's license ready. I've got the job ready. I've got the language ready. I've got everything ready. I just need to launch myself into it, and I just want to dive in and be a Spanish person. Where's your countdown? Is it on the computer? <laughs> is it is on it on your watch? Yeah, like how are you? Ooh. How are you counting down the days? Do you have like one of those paper chains? I don't. I just see it getting colder and me saying I need to get there faster. But I had the same start in France. I had, it wasn't on purpose, um, but I had, our main friend group was English speakers because it was other people who had come from Mm -hmm. Canada on a program or our um, friends in our apartments. They were from New Zealand. So our comfy at home language was English. I remember, I remember saying my first joke in France. And that's the thing about these languages is I have different personalities in three languages. (laughs) I have Vienna, Vienna, and Vienna. Vienna. So like I have three different personalities. Do you actually go by Vienna? Vienna. Vienna. No, no, it's, I'm not really, it is pronounced different than the France and English though. I don't pick it. They just do it. So they probably don't even know that yeah, you're, yeah. if, when you write your name with a V, they're probably like, what the hell? I've had people write my names with a V, sorry, with a B. a B and one N. I, it was not even good, but Hoping I, I remember lands. saying my first joke and everyone laughed and they're like, oh, she's funny. And like, everyone used to think I was shy. And I'm like, oh. I'm shy in French, but I'm, I, it's cause I don't have the vocabulary to express about my weekend, but I'm not shy. And now in Spanish, I can do jokes. I do remember so jokes are happening. So like, I, I think I want so to make awkward. friendships. Yeah. I want to like actually do the thing. I don't just want to be a tourist because at some point when I was desperate and I didn't have a job, I was like, maybe I just go to Italy cause I could have a job in Italy, yeah. but I wouldn't be able the to language. make any of the friends I would want to make. Or have deep conversations because I don't have that language. Yeah, and that's yeah. isolating too. That being said, language aside, we had some really funny jokes and times like on school trips and like when we were hanging out, despite having really not a lot to be able to say to each other because their English was not so good and my Spanish was not so yeah. good. We like hooted and howled over lots of things, <laughs> mainly related to kids because we're around kids who do funny things all the time. And it's actually crazy how not speaking the same language, we could actually still understand each other. And like they would say things and I would say things and we would just like laugh and hand gestures and put it together. And we will do an update to this podcast in the spring. Well, and oh, we'll see how for it goes. us, for sure. But like we're the listeners, all of the listeners are hoping to hear from you regularly as you yes. either prepare for or land in Spain, whatever's going on with you. With the we, vlogs, I know yeah, you want to see the to video. Know, I would love to see the video content of just like you lost in a train station. For example, this is just like <laughs> a clip of what I'm interested in. But I Are think, you picturing like Mr. Bean, but me? <laughs> yes. Honestly, that was kind of like your other Barry Vienna was, were you in a, Austria yes. on a bus? Like lots of things like that. I just... Very good Basically, quality entertainment. Yeah, all the worst stories that like shouldn't happen to someone. Actually, you're like that too. What like mathematically, statistically should not happen <laughs> happens to us. Yeah. But that's why you have a podcast because yeah. and a vlog because that's what makes it entertaining. So we're gonna wrap up, but um, just a small summary is that you're getting married in Spain. That must have been a hard yes. language barrier to organize um, and deal with. You would think. Um, basically technology is the future. So due to this, I mean, firstly, there's like a whole market of people who are from specifically England getting married in Spain. Okay. Who there's like wedding planners, but we were like, we don't want to do that. We want to be like Spanish people getting married in Spain, despite not actually. That's how we did our visas. We could have paid money to lawyers, but no, we suffered through the Reddit post 822. So we kept it authentico. And so we decided (laughs) to suss around. We looked at tons of areas. We wanted to get married in the summer because I'm a teacher and lots of people can travel in the summer. So we are looking into places in the summer. Spain is a hot country in the summer. Barcelona is disgusting in the summer. 
my family visited me. They could not walk around and enjoy it. I couldn't picture like my mom, for example, at my wedding in Barcelona. So we were looking for like where else in Spain. We asked all of our Spanish friends. You had said the North is awesome. We have heard lots of amazing things about just the North region of Spain. We know it's cooler. So you booked it without even No, well, it. we went to San Sebastian. We went to surrounding towns. We stayed in like a farm stay there. We went on to like the Andaria. I can't yeah. remember. Yeah, the coastline there, I think for us, I mean, we saw so many beautiful things and so many beautiful coastlines in Spain, but that just like struck a chord with us. That's our moving. Exactly. And so we were like, okay, if this is it and the weather is perfect and not a lot of people have been here, this could be a really cool destination for people because for people to fly into Barcelona and do the typical like, oh, I'm going to the Sagrada, oh, park well. It's kind of boring, and if you see it, you love it, but it could That's be an experience to go somewhere April, else. Last April, my trip to Barcelona was the best with you guys, because I, I had already done all this, like, yeah. and I had done this stuff. Well, your birthday on the mountain. Yeah, so we had just the, the best, the best I mean, that time, was pretty great. we didn't have to, I, that's what I'm hoping my life turns into, is, like, the, the local stuff, the not the tourist team. stuff. Yeah. yeah, we just did the best thing. Yeah, so that's what happens pretty quickly, I think, when you live in any city, but, yeah, I think that happens. So... We decided on the north, we decided on Bilbao, we found an amazing venue where the person speaks really good English to help us coordinate. And they were like, here, contact these people for buses, contact, I mean, now, Spain is traditionally very slow, so the process of hearing back from vendors, and the pro- it's very slow compared to what it would be like in Canada, but we've planned pretty far in advance, we think. We think everything's gonna be organized and fine. Um, we may need to get a day of coordinator or somebody who can just kind of help us with a few pieces, but really looking forward to like having our friends and family come out to Spain. It's a huge ask, but like they're going to be on an amazing trip and I've never traveled with a lot of my friends and family before. So to have that many people together is going to be so exciting and special. It'll be so nice. So I can't wait. And yeah, we can vlog the wedding. Oh my God. We actually don't want to pay for a videographer. So you're in. (laughs) You got me. You're in coach (laughs) or coach. You're in. Captain. 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 Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) Capitano. Um, Okay. That's super exciting. And uh, I can't wait to hear updates about our Spain journeys, about this wedding. I'm so invested into your life and well-being and like I think it's going to be an awesome I know journey, and so. I love the support and I'm going to be happy to honestly it's so nice to have a friend suffering through this with me yes I commiserate I appreciate it so much <laughs> having you for this and I hope your Spanish journey extends even further but we'll I just know. see how it goes in the new year I hope I hope but thank you so much for having me on the podcast and last shout out what are your your ads oh my ads so collab.ed is my instagram my website is collab.education, that is C-O-L-A-B dot education. And I'm making a platform for teachers. So if you know any teachers, you are a teacher, I would love to hear from you. Um, we're just getting off the ground. I'm currently trying to build this product by and myself. I believe in it. So <laughs> it's going to be amazing. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for coming in Vino Veritas.